Thank you for downloading the following message from the Pickerington Church of Christ. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you walk with the Lord. For more information or to find additional resources, locate us on the web at pickeringtonchurch.org. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. Pretty full house this morning. Glad to see you all braved the fog this morning to come out here. You never know what you're going to get around here, do you? Really appreciate Anthony's series uh, over these last few weeks, putting us in reminder of what we're to be doing in uh, the mission of Jesus. And uh, there's no better way to do that, is there, than to look at what Jesus was doing in his mission and calling us into that. Man, he, he reached out to people of all different sorts, didn't he? I just love that about him. Uh, he made it look seamless as well. And that's something I hope we can learn uh, as his people is to be able to take the message that we believe in and seamlessly weave it not only into our own lives but into the lives of other people so they can see it. I want to take just, uh, you might call this a reminder week uh, to step back now even though we're looking at the, the main thing, the mission of Christ and we are uh, doing our very best to implement that mission in this body of believers here and to, uh, to our communities around us. I want to just take a moment here today and uh, remind us of why we're doing all this. Why did you drive through the fog to come here today? Uh, why, why are you parents all wrestling with your kids? Some of you won't even hear the lesson today. I know that. I know that it's really hard, and, and sometimes you feel like, what's the use? Because you just feel like the whole time you're managing. Well, you, there's a reason. There's a reason why you're doing it. There's a reason why you're doing it for your family. There's a reason why you're getting up in the morning and, uh, and uh, hustling to get into the car to come here. But there's also a reason why when you leave here, you're doing the things that you're doing. And you're trying to become the person that you ought to be. There's a motive that's driving you. What's the motive? What's making you do this? Is your motive temporal or is it eternal? We've got some temporal motives. Maybe we don't have any motives. If you don't have any motivation at all, if nothing's moving you, God's got something to say to you today. But for a lot of us, the things that drive us every day might be temporary things. We might get up in the morning because we're on a, we're on a really good uh, exercise routine and we're really feeling the benefits from that. We might be motivated to go to work because there's a project we're working on at work that we really want to accomplish. You know, uh, you might be uh, finishing a college degree and be motivated to just, I got to go to class because I want to finish this degree. Might be something like uh, counting down the days to a warm weather vacation too. It's always good to have something to look forward to, isn't it? But all these things come to an end at some point, don't they? All right. Uh, if you're training for a marathon, for example, well, the day of the marathon comes and you, you cross the finish line. And then what? Well, you might train for another marathon. Or you might do something different, maybe a Tough Mudder, right, Clay, or something like that. But there's an end to that. Uh, when you get your college degree, that season of life comes to a close. Now what's going to motivate you? All right. Um, 
if you uh, are working on that project at work, and whether it goes good or bad, there's a, there's a time in where, uh, where you're going to uh, be finished with that project and be asked to move on to something else. And sometimes you don't get finished with the project and your supervisors or bosses ask you to move on to something else. I was talking to somebody about that recently. And even if your motivation is, well, it's for my family, it's, it's my, my children motivate me. I've got to get up and, and get them off to school and get them a good start to their day. There will be a day when your children aren't in your house anymore. It may take longer than you think it's going to take. But there is a day when they won't be in your house anymore to motivate you to get up and take care of that. So all these things are good things. They're all part of God's will for us to take care of ourselves, our responsibilities, to take care of other people. Aren't they good things? Uh, they're enjoyable things too. They bring us some happiness. But they're always changing these types of things that are short-term, that are, that are things that are going to be for the near future. They're always changing. But I want to talk to you about the one thing that is the only lasting motivation that will help you do what God wants you to do more than anything else in the world. And that is to love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. The two great commandments. Now, those are commandments for us to do. But what I'm saying to you is that we still need a motive to do those things. There are many people that are failing to do the great commandments. There are many Christians that fall short and they say, I can't do this. I don't have it in me to do it. And I want to tell you that is because this motivation doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from your good works. It doesn't come from your circumstances all aligning and the stars all aligning. And then you're going you're to have a good day in fulfilling the command to love your neighbors yourself. It doesn't come from within you. That's too turbulent. That's too hostile. And we, we can so easily become frustrated. Have you ever said, I just, I'm just terrible at this. That motivation's got to come from something else, church, and that's what we've got to talk about today. To do both of those things, to love God and to love your neighbor. Two things that Jesus said are alike. It's not love God with all your heart and then there's a close second. It's that he wants us to do both of these things. They're alike. Um, both of them are imperative uh, for God's will to be fulfilled through us. Both are superlative and that they're both important, the most important thing we can be doing. And both of them are eternal in nature. It's not just to finish this thing or do this thing. It is that when you set out to do these commandments, it's going to become you. It's got to become you to do these things. You can't just say, okay, for a couple hours here, I'm going to do the great commandments. He's asking us to become loving and to do these commandments, we've got to have a motive. Matt's got to have a motive outside of himself. And in this passage that Jose read for us, we've got the motive. Did you catch it in there? You need to turn there again or just remain uh, with your Bibles open there and look at this if you would. And uh, that passage was in 2 Corinthians 5.14. Did you see it in there? i got to find it myself here. Take a look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, right at the beginning of that passage that Jose read, those verses. 
He says, for the love of Christ compels us. It drives us. It moves us. It moves us to do what, Paul? Come to the point where we become what God wants us to be. And we're able to persuade others to fulfill God's will for them as well. The love of Christ compels us. So what I want to talk to you about for the next few minutes is that our motivation to do mission with Jesus. This, we keep talking about the mission of Christ for the church, and we keep talking about making disciples. The motivation that we need to do this in a sustained way, church, cannot come from our own human errant ways. It's got to come from whatever's compelling Paul to go day by day into this work of Jesus Christ. It's got to be the same thing. He says here it's the love of Christ. Let's talk about that a little bit, this love of Christ. John said in 1 John chapter 4 why we can love Him. John said, here's how you keep the great commandment. We love Him, finish it for me, because He first loved us. That's how. That's how we do it. We've got to understand His love for us first. So if we are in a routine where we are, hey, it's Sunday morning, I, I go to church, I'm one of those people that goes to church, I, I, I want to go and, and uh, fulfill my obligations to God. If it is not because of the love of God having acted first, then that motive is just going to be temporal. It's going to be whatever mood you're in. It's going to be in competition, competition with other things that are going to compete for your Sundays. But if your motive is as John and Paul have said, the love of Christ, that God loved us first, that God demonstrated His love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 9, 5, 8, then I'll be able to do that every Sunday and every Monday and every Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You know, it's this story right here on that little, this little bracelet that I wear. I never wear these more than one week. The kids are uh, telling the story that we're talking about of God's love. That green color that God created the heavens and the earth, and He made them perfectly, didn't He? He made them perfectly, and He put man in a garden that He created for him to enjoy and to dwell in and to relate to Him in. They, they talked God came to him in the garden, came to Eve also, and they talked in the garden. They had communion there. God put him there, but man began to sin. I say began to sin, because I doubt if that was the first sin, or the last sin, I should say, of Adam and Eve. They began to sin in the garden. And also we know that even as we uh, also sin, we also reap the same consequences today. And that is a separation from God. So man began to sin. That's that black color. And then there's a red color on here. It tells the, the biggest part of the story. God didn't leave us alone. He sent His own Son, Jesus Christ, down to the earth to take on flesh, for He was a spirit, an eternal spirit. And He took on flesh and He died for us. He stepped in my place and took the punishment of the sins that was due me upon Himself. And He did that for you too. 
God demonstrated his love toward us. He didn't just tell us he loved us. Oh, how many times did he tell us he loved us in here? But that demonstration of love is what Paul and John and Peter and all the apostles and all the early Christians, and that's what you and I are supposed to be saying is compelling me today. This is motivating me that somebody stood in my place so that one day when Matt Thomas dies and Christ comes again and I stand before the creator of the universe, I will not have to stand there and say, I'm a sinner and I have had no way to reconcile this with you. There's no way that I have, have been able to accomplish this. I will be able to say, I've received your son, Jesus. I've died with him in the likeness of his death through the baptism in water that he commands so that it marks the day that I die and the day that I come to life in Christ and live the rest of my life for him and makes me white as snow. That's that white color on there. Makes me white as snow. He adds me to his family, the yellow color. That's the story. In just five colors, you can tell these basic parts of it, can't you? Paul said, it's a compelling story. And I say, tell me the old, old story. Tell me the old, old story. We sing it, don't we? Because I need that to get me going every day. So things don't always all align. I don't always feel 100%. I'm not always happy with my circumstances. I'm not always happy with all of you. <laughs> you know, I come here because the love of Christ compels me. And I think that you do too. But if you don't, we've got to be reminded of this church. God provided for the motivation of my life. And even though I wrecked it, He called me back to it. So not only... Does the love of Christ compel us? It calls us. It calls us. It calls me so that no matter if, if things are good and there's peace and prosperity in my life or if things aren't so good and I'm wondering if God really loves me. Have you ever wondered where is God? I know you have. Have you ever wondered why don't I feel like I did once upon a time when I just felt like I was on a spiritual high. I was on the same plane with God. I was walking in the clouds. You ever felt that way? I have. We wonder, where is God? But I want to tell you, who was it? It was uh, Gordon Lightfoot who wrote in that song back in maybe the 70s about the Edmund Fitzgerald. Remember that song, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald? He said, does anyone know where the love of God goes? When the waves turn the minutes to hours. Do you remember that lyric? We can answer that. It's steadfast. It's immovable. It doesn't go anywhere. God does not forsake us or leave us. And He's given us proof that He will never ever leave us. In class, we saw the proof in, in when the, uh, the, the Israelites were leaving Egypt. And he went before them as a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. And he didn't lift that thing. We mentioned he didn't lift that pillar for the 40 years that he was with them in the wilderness. You've got to remember that when you're reading through the rest of the chapters. That thing's burning and shining right there before them. When I say, I don't feel like God's with me. God calls me to go back to the cross where he said... 
before you were born, Matt, I demonstrated how much I love you. My son died for you. It's a boundless love. It's unconditional. I didn't say, if you this, then I will receive, or that you're worthy of my love. But he did say, you have to receive it. He calls me back to what work he has done to remind me. He calls me to live it out like Jesus did. So the greatest motive, the love of God, compelled by the greatest act of love, Christ on the cross, calls us into the greatest cause, which is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. We've got to have the motive to be able to fulfill God's will for us and being the people of God and the loving people that He wants us to be. You ever seen the program called um, Random Acts? It's on the BYU network. Brigham Young channel. They got a good program where some of their students go out and do random acts. Really fun to watch. I mean, they kind of find people that need stuff and they go and they take care of those needs and so forth. And that's really good. And I don't know what goes on beyond the scenes. I don't know what takes place beyond that. But it's kind of one of those deals where you feel good and then it's done. You know, you move on maybe to another scene or the program's over and that's it. And I'm, See, even random acts of kindness, if they're not motivated by the love of God for the purpose of people becoming loving like God, you're just experiencing the kindness of men. Think about this for a second. Anybody in the world can show kindness. And I would dare to say everybody in the world has shown kindness at some point in their life. Even the most wicked people. They've shown kindness. Maybe to their mother. Maybe to a friend. Maybe to somebody they feel is worthy of it. But if, if we're not motivated by the love of God, and we don't imitate the love of God, and that motivation is not sustained, we're just really drawing a picture of the kindness of ourselves. Somebody will say about you, David, well, David's a kind person. But unless we become that love, and unless we can point them toward the motivation for our love, the glory will just remain with us. So we've got to continue on in our calling. How does it look when we do this? Well, God has not left us without instruction on this. He said, when you become a Christian and you believe this and you die with my son Jesus and I wash your sins away, I want you to come into family with those who have been called together. I want you to work together. I've given you good works to do. Ephesians 2.10 That you might be renewed and recreated and reset in a direction where you walk in the good works which I've created beforehand in Christ Jesus for you to walk in. I want you to work in those. Paul calls it the work of ministry where we're serving one another with our gifts that he mentions in that book in Ephesians, in ministries that are those pathways by which we can serve each other, we identify needs, we involve ourselves in areas where we believe that we are best suited to do the things that are most needed, and we do it with a spirit of love. You know, every passage in the New Testament, and I mean every passage in the New Testament, you look one up where we're told what to do and how to do it, and you're going to find the word love in there somewhere in the near, uh, the close context of that passage. 
It seasons everything. But again, you got to remember that love doesn't come from me. It doesn't depend. My service to you all does not depend on how I feel today. There's days when preachers don't feel like getting in the pulpit. We're tired. We're grumpy. We haven't lived what we're about to preach and we feel like hypocrites. And there's some days when I know that you don't feel like you're worthy to come sit in a church pew and take communion. Doesn't depend on how I feel. Depends that I believe that God is my motivation, that I'm worthy to serve Him, and I'm worthy to serve His people in this work of the kingdom that we're involved in. That's what matters. I got to know that. Or I just, I'm just going to let you down time and time again. I just won't feel like doing anything for the Lord. It's that motive that compels us all. It's got to be what keeps us going. When the church does this, Jesus said, a couple things are going to happen. God's going to be glorified. Because when people see this happening together, and they know that people are, people are hard to get along with. Gr groups of people don't always get along with each other, but when they see a group of people harmonizing, keeping the unity of the Holy Spirit and the bond of peace, working together for a central cause, and that cause being love, being received and reflected. He said, God is going to be glorified because by this all men will know that you're my disciples. John 13. When they see you love one another as I've loved you, all men will know. They'll be able to say there's something unique about that. How will they know that they're Jesus? we're Jesus' disciples? Because we'll be speaking His name as well as living His mission. You can't do one without the other. This is why we've all got to be comfortable to be able to, at least with a little bracelet, tell people what's motivating our lives. If you're living that life, you're going to draw someone's attention. Someone's going to notice that you're living differently, especially in our culture today. Which is a wonderful thing because people are looking because they need that. They need what we've got. And they're going to be looking at you. And we also need to be able to point upward and say, I'm, I'm doing this because of the love that was shown to me. That's why I'm doing this. It's not just because I was born a nice person. It's not because I've learned to be inherently good. I'm not. It's because God has loved me so much that it compels me. It behooves me. To live my life for Him. And people will respond to that kind of message, church. Don't doubt it. We'll become a disciple-making factory if we get this down. This one thing we've been given to do. If we get this down, we're going to glorify God. We're going to become a, a, a tremendous force for good. It's going to start with your needs being fulfilled by God through Christ and also His people coming together to surround you and, and take care of the needs that you have. It's going to be fulfilled that way. But this is the only process by which He has given us to transform us into the kind of people that can love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. It's got to be from Him. It's got to be His motivation. It's got to be His Spirit working in me and through me. It's got to be His giftedness. Uh, given to each one of us to do His work that He has already carved out for us to do. It's, it's really all by His power and glory. 
And so we reflect His glory when we do it for Him. A Christian compelled by the love of God will live for the love of God. He'll neither be able to contain his love for God nor refrain from loving his neighbor. And if it's not for the love of God, what are we calling people into? We're talking about going out and talking to people and reaching people. If we're not calling them into the love of God, church, what are we calling them into? We need to be calling them into what has motivated us to change and live our lives for him. To know and abide in God's love is to truly Zoe, to truly live, that Bible word for live, live life to the full. If you're compelled by the cross today and you've not been baptized into Jesus Christ, we'll baptize you into Him today and you'll be united with Him in the likeness of His death, burial, and resurrection. You can start living a new life, a newness of life, and He'll empower you to live that life. He will give you what you need to do that. We will support you in it. You can do that today, though. And church, if you've forgotten your first love, that might be another way of saying, forgot what's motivating you. If you've forgotten Him, Jesus Christ, for whom you are to be living, repent of that. Pray to God that He'll forgive you and get back on track with Christ Jesus. Walk hand in hand with Him like you were meant to in the Garden of Eden. Let's stand and sing this song. If we can help anyone, please let us know.